The reading from the Gospel this morning is taken from John's Gospel. You can find that on page 1083. Page 1083. My version that I read may be slightly different. John's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for speaking so plainly to people of old. By your grace, speak to us this day, that we too may remain in you and be fruitful. Amen. On Wednesday evening, I just read an article or of some details about Cliff Richard's vineyards in Portugal. Did you know he had quite a few, and he produces uh, award-winning wine? That's another thing for you. So I just read that, and then uh, I I got a phone call from Lee. I couldn't hear it very well, because I was actually in Derbyshire, and the reception's too clever. So he phoned me, and it went dead. So I thought, oh, help, right? So I found where I could get a bit better signal, and I phoned him back. And he told me the news is... And uh, would I take uh, some things this morning? So Tim and I have been working hard since Wednesday to uh, prepare this morning. Uh, The next day I was walking that lovely Thursday morning in the wind and rain in Derbyshire. Uh, I had my Kindle with me, so I I read the passages, John 15, and fruitfulness. I thought, well, I I have been thinking about that a bit recently. Uh, It shouldn't be too difficult preparing for this morning. And so as I wandered through the lovely weather, I was thinking about these passages and uh, fruitfulness. What a lovely topic. And, uh, well, this morning I enjoyed fruit from my allotment because uh, I had lovely black currant, black currant jam on my toast. Uh, very fruitful. I, I, I do well on soft fruit, so uh, it's because, I'll tell you the secret, I'm a vicious pruner of my soft fruit bushes. But thinking, obviously, of this theme of fruitfulness... I called to mind an old friend called Artie. Katie, actually, but she, everybody knew her as Artie. I saw her one day, uh, I was out in the street, and she was there, and she was walking on very gingerly, carrying a bag. And she then explained to me uh, what, what it was all about. She said, so-and-so has just come out of hospital, and I know she's a bit upset and everything, and her stomach's not too clever, so I've just baked an egg custard. How many people here have baked an egg custard? Oh, one, two, three, four, oh, a few. 
She said, it'll go down easily and it will rest happily in her stomach. And I thought of fruitful living. Then I called to mind a phone call that uh, I had one Saturday morning. It was John on the phone. He said, uh, I understand you and Claire aren't very well at all today. Would you like us to have the boys for the day? Whew. You know what it's like when you bring up children. I thought of Whole Life Fruitfulness by John. And then just a few weeks ago now, I got another phone call and a lady who doesn't drive said, a friend of mine has just been burgled and she's on her own tonight. Uh, I think it would be good if I went and spent a couple of nights with her in those circumstances. Could I take her round? Of course. And I thought of whole life fruitfulness, living the love of Christ in down-to-earth practical situations. We've already met in this series the idea of being fruitful. We uh, had reference earlier to Psalm 1. Psalm 1 where a, a, a godly person is one like a tree planted by the waters bringing forth fruit. What a lovely picture. In fact, all the way through the Old Testament, we have reference to God's people being thought of like a vine or a vineyard, being fruitful in the character of their lives. So, it's quite familiar. So, when we get to the New Testament, we have these two readings from Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, and we have Jesus speaking very clearly about a vine and a vineyard and all that conversation. He probably could see it just on the hillside. Uh, I don't know if anybody has... uh, and vines in their garden. Jesus was talking to his own disciples, a community about fruitfulness. Paul was writing to the Christians in Galatia, which is a bit of modern Turkey, about fruitfulness in their community. And so we think about that today. What do we notice from these two passages of the Bible? You may want to refer to them again later, or even refer to them now. John 15, and the vine, the branches... Probably quite well known. Galatians, at least the verses that say the fruit of the Spirit, we tend not to read the bits before, but are a bit of a contrast. And that's the first thing to say about both passages, is the contrast that is made by Paul, saying the whole way of living, and then in verse 22 he says, but, and a contrast, I'm asking you Christians to live by the fruit of the Spirit, with the fruit of the Spirit evident in your lives. Jesus says in his parable, or in his picture there, there are some branches that are bearing fruit, but the other branches that are going to be broken off and thrown into the fire. A contrast between those who remain in him, connected to him, living out his life, and those who don't. So when we talk about fruitfulness, it's a bit about contrast. Now that's not new at all, of course, in the Bible, because in the Old Testament, God said to his people of old, I want you to be different They're living a contrasting lifestyle to the nations around you. I want you to be holy as I am holy. And he spelt it out. Some of it spelt out in the law. Things about caring for the poor. About the foreigners amongst you. About the way you live together. You probably don't read Leviticus as often as you do John's Gospel. But actually, it is amazingly contemporary about living in a community that is a contrast to the world around, whether... In Moses' day, Paul's day, or our day. Contrast. You are to live differently because the God you serve and follow is different. Contrast. The trouble is, both in the Old Testament 
and in the New Testament and right through church history, Christian people, God's people, have so often allowed the world around to squeeze them into the world's mould. That's how J.B. Phillips translates Romans 12. To be squeezed into the world's mould because, of course, the forces at work to go a different way, Jesus' way, are very powerful. And so the challenge from Jesus and from Paul is to live a contrasting life as God's people. Fruitful lives that bring joy to him and to others as well as to the Christian community. So these chapters, these readings speak of contrast, but also, of course, of cultivation. In my allotment a few weeks ago, I was just checking that all my soft fruit had been pruned properly. I was looking around and thinking, well, I better weed the soft fruit patch because uh, I want to feed the the plants. I don't want to feed the weeds. Uh, They come anyway to cultivate my fruit. So that indeed it will be fruitful again and I will be eating blackcurrant jam on my toast this time next year with a, a new crop. These things like vines need cultivating. So that indeed they do produce good fruit. And Jesus gives some idea of how we do cultivate the fruitfulness. He says there's pruning. There are things in life that have to be cut out if we're to be really fruitful. Often the good is the enemy of God's best. And even that needs to be pruned for fruitfulness. And Jesus also says you need to be fed. My words, says Jesus, need to remain in you, need to be in your life, be part of you. Almost like, you know, as I saw on uh, Thursday, the cows ruminating and chewing the cud and making sure that they got the goodness out of it. That's what the word of God is to do in our lives. So Paul writes in Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell, live, be at home in your life. This is one way of cultivating the fruitfulness that God looks for. Letting the word of God remain in our lives and and make a difference. But then of course the Apostle Paul gives us another, perhaps we might say a liquid feed for the allotments. Or or for our lives, sorry, I mustn't confuse the two. The liquid feed is the spirit The Spirit of God is often in the Bible likened to a stream of water or a spring bubbling up, bringing life and vitality to to the countryside and to you and me when we drink the water. The fruit of the Spirit brings forth all those lovely qualities. And so we are to cultivate our lives with the Word and with the Spirit. So in a parallel passage to Colossians, Paul writes in Ephesians, Go on being filled with the Spirit. Go on being filled. He's not just to be remembered the Pentecost and Trinity, but he's to be part of our lives, to seek his touch of our lives again and again. So we cultivate by making sure the Word of God influences our lives and we rely on the Holy Spirit. Of course, when we come to the fruit of the Spirit, we could have about eight sermons, so okay, we're running late, I know, but we're not going to be here for eight sermons this morning. Okay, you'll be relieved. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the key one. And some have cogently argued that what Paul is saying here, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And by the way, these are other ways in which love demonstrates itself. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love brings joy. Love does all these things. And so you're not going to have the eight sermons but to focus on 
the fruit of the Spirit is love. And as we focus on that, we will become a more fruitful community. We are to show God's love with the egg custard, with the staying the night with someone who's been burgled. We're showing love of God in down-to-earth, whole-life terms and taking the children away from, t- from parents who are tearing their hair out. I, I did have hair once. Uh, it- it's a blessing. It's the fruit of the Spirit, the fruitfulness. So whole-life fruitfulness depends on us recognising the contrast of our lives that God calls us to and that we cultivate that fruitfulness primarily by the Word and the Spirit as we let them influence our thinking, our attitudes, our behaviours in a whole host of ways. But then, of course, at the end of this reading from Paul, there is the challenge. He said about the Spirit of God bringing forth the fruit and the Spirit making you different. And then he comes to the last verse that uh, is a challenge. He's writing to Christians. Verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Yes, some Christians in the New Testament and, of course, throughout church history up through today have become quite superior and conceited. They've become thinking they're better than others. It happens in church life, sadly, that some people put themselves above others. Someone once said to me, preaching actually, that the ground at the foot of the cross is level for everyone. Whether you're in the House of Lords, or you're living on the street, you're level before Jesus. Not to become, but it happens. You see, it's allowing that other lifestyle to influence us too much. The lifestyle that we're supposed to have crucified and put to death, we are influenced by it so much, which is influenced by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And Jesus said that. We've got to face the challenge that to follow him means we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And unless we do that, we can't take the name discipleship. We're talking about whole life discipleship and fruitfulness. Many people think of the church as as like a hospital. And in one sense, yes, we pray for healing and the word salvation has that meaning in it. The church could be something like a therapeutic community. And some people I know are not Christians, just enjoy the company of Christian people because of the quality of life, the kindness, the support, the interest that Christians take in them. They get, I will say, Jesus secondhand through his community. We are a therapeutic community, and and we will be that for Lee and Sally as they come back, and they're part of us. That's part of being a Christian community. But in the New Testament, often the picture we get of church is like it's a barracks. It's a training ground to be a soldier. We get the pictures of soldier. We are in a battle, friends. I know know, most of us here don't remember too much the slogan, there's a war on during the Second World War, but we know about it. And the Bible says there's a war on. So there is a contrast between two ways of life. There's a battle on. It's not just North Korea. It's not just Iraq. It is here where those forces that Paul lists about the selfish way of living are fighting again the way of Christ, the way of selfless love. And we need to recognize that. And the church is the barracks. It's the training ground to equip us, so that's why it's so important to be part of a small group, to work through this material together. Soldiers on their own can't do much. Soldiers together can do something. We are together to seek to live fruitful lives that will make a difference. 
Because the New Testament assumes all this teaching we get is not done solitary. It's done in community. We're in this together. And we need to be showing fruit in our lives. So if we're to be fruitful disciples, we will recognize the contrast between our lives. We will ask questions. What li- in what way is my life different from my non-Christian neighbors who are lovely, wonderful people living in West Bridgeford? We'll ask ourselves, how am I cultivating the life of Christ that brings forth fruit in my life? We'll face the challenge that this is not easy. We have a fight to be fought, a contrast. So what mark my friends in their fruitful lives that I mentioned earlier? All of them had this great quality. They thought of others before themselves. They thought about that's the nature of love, of God's love. We remember in a moment that he thought of the needs of the world and Jesus came. Outgoing towards others to bless others. Why was Abraham blessed in the Old Testament? So that he could bless all the nations. It's an outward looking attitude. And Artie and John and a friend locally showed that attitude. And you say, of course, that's normal. You know, for Christians, we ought to be thinking of others. Well, Claire and I find it quite amazing that... uh, you know, people seem to be so full of themselves. Uh, they talk about themselves, their family, their, their new bathroom, their new kitchen, their new this, that, and the other, their new car, what their children are doing. And if you go on Facebook, I don't do it, but Claire does, and I see it. You know, they talk about what we, what, what we had for breakfast and what we're doing tomorrow. And all, they talk all about themselves. And I say, and this is sometimes Christian people, I think, are we supposed to be there? For the whole selfish generation where we must be in everything ourselves. It just is a sort of a pointer to me that says, hold it a minute. The Bible says disciples deny themselves. They're loving, and the love is for the benefit of the other, first and foremost. We have to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbor. And so Artie did that with a red custard. John did that by taking our two toddlers away for the day. A friend did that as she went to stay the nights with a friend on her own, having been burgled. But you see, notably about these people I mentioned, let me tell you about John. John was a number of people in our fellowship who become Christians in their 30s and 40s, businessmen, significant people. And we used to meet together to study the Bible, to ask some questions about, now I'm a Christian director of a company, how will my life be in contrast to the non-Christian directors? Now I've become a Christian. How will my life in the light of the Bible become different from my colleagues at work? What will there be a difference? They wanted to study the Bible to find what is fruitful living, although we didn't use that phrase. I used to love meeting with them. It's a joy to see their lives changing to be more fruitful, to be more Christ-like. Or the lady who phoned about her friend who'd been burgled. I did some research recently and she fed some things back to me. And this is what she wrote about. She, her husband left her with four children, so uh, uh, then she became a Christian. And she wrote these words. When I was a single parent with four school-aged children at home and teaching full-time, I used to set my alarm for half an hour before I had to get up. I would then spend that half an hour of calm before the storm. I'm sure parents understand that. Calm before the storm. In prayer for the day ahead, as well as reading and studying the Bible. I needed that time to be fruitful as a mother and a teacher. Whole life fruitfulness. A contrast to those who don't know Jesus 
and his spirit. Whole life fruitfulness, being cultivated week by week, hour by hour, as we live out wherever we are, in that boardroom, in that factory, in that school. I live a life that displays the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's be quiet a moment to think, what is our personal response to what our Lord Jesus may have said to us this morning about the contrast of my life as a committed follower of Jesus? About how am I cultivating that fruitfulness? Am I facing the challenge that this is not easy in Iraq or in West Bridgeford? Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, thank you for the vivid picture of the vine and the branches. Thank you for the frank talking of Paul and Jesus. Grant that we may hear their words, but above all hear your words to our lives, that we seek to be whole life disciples, living fruitful lives like Jesus the vine. Amen. And now Christina and the band will...